As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Today on the show, we have back Justin Mars, the co-author of Traction, and who recently acquired a Shopify app named FOMO. He talks about what he's doing to grow it since the acquisition and what their plans are to grow it into the future. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Justin, we had you on several months ago. You were talking about the book that you co-wrote called Traction. Obviously, a lot has changed since then, and you most recently acquired a company. Tell us about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So I recently, along with my business partner, bought a Shopify app called Notify. And so now we've rebranded it, we've relaunched it, built out a bunch of integrations 
Uh, it's now FOMO. If you go to usefomo.com, you can check it out. But basically what the app does is it shows recent customer actions on your website to a potential website visitor. So what does that mean? I mean, have you ever been on hotels.com or booking.com? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so you know those little notifications that's like 30 people are looking at this listing or 20 people have booked this listing in the past hour or whatever. Mm -hmm. So FOMO allows any website to display those kinds of notifications on their store. And so when I saw that functionality just as a Shopify app, I installed it for my other e-commerce company, Kettle and Fire, which is a bone broth business. And we basically saw conversions just shoot up. They were up like 35% or something. Well, what, uh, are, what are some of the things that you say in those notifications? Yeah, great question. So for us, Notify, the, the Shopify app that we, that's what it was called at the time, it just pulled in, ran, in, it pulled in recent orders. So if you were on kettleandfire.com, my, my e-commerce company, you would see someone from you know, San Francisco, California, just bought this beef bone broth two hours ago. And it would just pull in these recent orders to show website visitors, oh, you know, like people are actually ordering from this website and there's there's actually real things happening here, you know. Interesting. So it's just the way you used it was intended to give um more of like an alive feel to what would otherwise be kind of a stale shopping experience? Yeah, so it was it was to do two things. So it was one to give that live feel and to show people that, okay, something is actually happening on this website. That was for sure. The other big piece of that is that it it adds an element of social proof. So you can imagine, you know, you walk by a restaurant and you see a line out the door and you go, hmm, maybe I should check that restaurant out. This kind of does the same thing where if you see a bunch of people buying a product or, you know, buying several products, then you go, okay, this is maybe something that I should look at, should check out, might be more, you know, might be more likely to buy. So do you see this being used really only with e-commerce type purchases or is it something that SaaS companies can use? Yeah. So great question. So when we bought it, it was just an e-commerce, you know, just Shopify, just an e-commerce app. Since then, we've actually built out a bunch of integrations. And so now we have a couple SaaS companies that are using it to display um, things like someone just signed up for the pro plan or, you know, all of these different kinds of things, which they can pass to us via our Stripe integration. You know, so they can pass that, they can pass recent reviews, they can pass traffic data. So really it can work across almost any type of website. We have a blogger that's using it where he has it installed and it'll say, you know, someone from San Diego, California just signed up for my newsletter. And there's a link to his newsletter that people can then click on and then they can opt into that newsletter. So there's just a ton of use cases and ways that you can use this tool to surface things that your customers or website visitors are doing. Interesting. So let's go, take me back to when you bought it. You saw that there was an opportunity there, that there was a lot of um, integrations that the old owners weren't building out that you had the excitement to build out. I know personally that there's a lot of learning that goes in to taking over someone else's product. Yes. (laughs) So... When you first took everything over, how did you decide where to put your energy in terms of like fixing a lot of things that might have had some tech debt or getting your head around someone else's code versus 
putting all the energy into things that you knew were going to, or thought would drive growth, like building out more integrations? Yeah, great question. So when we walked, you know, when we walked in, we acquired the company, we basically saw that there were a couple things that, in my opinion, were very obvious that should be improved about, you know, the app listing, the way they were doing marketing, the number of testimonials and reviews they had, stuff like that. And so for me, the way that I thought about it was, okay, you know, day zero to 30 is going to be, on some sense, it's going to be getting up to speed on the product and then just fixing very, very obvious things that are broken. So for example, one of the things that we did is the Shopify uh, listing. Again, you know, it was just a Shopify app when we first bought it. We said, okay, let's, let's see what we can do to optimize the Shopify listing and hopefully drive more revenue, get more customers that way. And so we took a look. We said, okay, they have a 30-day trial. No other app in the App Store has a 30-day trial. So let's shorten that to seven, which is standard across most Shopify apps. So right away, we're getting you know, more cash flow coming in the door faster, which means that we can pay our developers more uh, you know, to build out new features and stuff like that. Second change is, okay, there's no phone number on the thing. We should add a phone number because we should just talk to customers and right. see what they want, what questions they have, stuff like that. And then when we read the, the listing, it's very, very basic. I mean, it was, it was not written to convert people. It wasn't written from like a benefit standpoint. There were a lot of things that were missing. So we rewrote the app listing. And then we took a look, and this is the last thing, is we took a look and just said, okay, what drives rankings in the Shopify app store? And it turns out that that is install velocity and the number of reviews that you have. That's not like anything that someone on Shopify told us. It's just from looking at the apps that rank well, those are by far the ones that, you know, the ones that have the most reviews and the ones that have decent install velocity tend to do the best. And so for us, we said, great, what can we do to actually drive more reviews? And so we, you know, we reached out to a bunch of happy customers, went through our support, um, did all this type of stuff and just got a bunch more reviews. When we bought it, it had 48 reviews after two and a half years. Now, three months after acquiring it, we have like 118. And so we just did all of that in the first like week or two. And we saw a really, really strong lift. I mean, three months later, just on Shopify alone, we've seen revenue go up around 50%, which is amazing. Interesting. So you basically had a good idea of what you knew a growth channel was going to be for you. You weren't like, okay, let's try SEO and let's try running some Google ads and some retargeting. Like you knew that focusing on Shopify was like the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. Cause that's where I was already working. You know, mm-hmm. like we already had customers there. We already had uh, a bunch of interest, a bunch of reviews and, and a, and a pretty solid business there. And so we, we thought, you know, this is the business that we can optimize and improve right now. And then we have tons of ideas for what we're going to build on top of it and all that. But for right now, like we, we saw that was the, the big thing, you know? And so have you repeated that same thing through other platforms, that same kind of strategy? Yeah. So we, now we said, okay, this is working really well on Shopify and what can we do to get it on other platforms? So we built out, more integrations. Once we'd optimized it on Shopify, you know, shown that this is something people want, um, and we'd seen more integrations, then we decided let's build out a big commerce integration. So we did that, and now that has you know a couple, I think a couple hundred customers on big commerce now. So then we looked at let's do the same thing for WooCommerce, for Magento, for WordPress, and the like. 
And so that's now the strategy is fix it on Shopify, get more revenue from that platform, and then let's figure out how do we get on other platforms that you know, we can then kind of replicate that. So what's something that you want to try that you haven't had the bandwidth to do yet? Oh, man, <laughs> there's so many things. Or uh, to, to go, I guess, narrow that down as, as a growth channel. Yeah. So one thing we haven't tried yet is paid acquisition. And part of that is because we, you know, we uh, have a Shopify app or had a Shopify app until earlier this week when we launched FOMO so that any website can use it. But until then, with just the Shopify app, we didn't have a way to track how well paid acquisition was working, you know. And so that was a channel that we couldn't couldn't even fathom testing. We couldn't do Google AdWords, Facebook ads, anything like that. And so now that we have FOMO uh, live so that any site can use it, we're definitely going to be testing a bunch of other acquisition channels uh, in the paid ads kind of space. So AdWords, Facebook ads, you know, we have a bunch of customers that we can use to create custom audiences, stuff like that. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. So now, back to the show. Okay, so I have to ask you, why did you change the name of the company? Because to me, that's something like very scary to to if there's something that has some kind of established known quantity to f- like fully rebrand like that, that was kind of a bold move, I think. Yeah. It, I mean, it I, I like the new brand and the name for sure. I'm, I probably just would have been scared to pull that trigger. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, <laughs> and we are, I mean, but the, the biggest thing is that we thought that the word and the name notify didn't really connote anything super interesting or you know, it just wasn't an amazing name and we didn't think that it would be super interesting once people, I I guess once people installed it off of Shopify, Mm -hmm. like no one knows what notify app is outside of Shopify. And so we thought, you know, if we're going to build all of these other integrations, if we're going to make it so anyone can use it, we should have a name that people can remember. They can tell their friends about like, Hey, you should check out FOMA. We saw it increase our conversions. And then something that people could kind of feel and you know feel like a, a relationship with almost like we were really trying to create a brand rather than an app. I don't think Notify is a very good name from a a brand standpoint. And so if we wanted to do the bigger you know kind of try and play the bigger game around building a brand and building a tool that tons of people can use, I think we kind of knew that we needed to change the name at some point. Yeah. And has there but it been was super scary? <laughs> has it been pretty smooth so far? Yeah, I mean, so we only changed it, launched the change last week. Uh, you know, so it's it has been pretty smooth overall in turn in that we haven't gotten, we haven't seen an uptick in churn, we haven't seen a lot of confusion. It depends. You know, we obviously have to see like does this impact our our Shopify install numbers and all of that over the next couple of weeks, uh, next couple of weeks and months. 
because it could, you know, quite mm-hmm. frankly, I don't, I don't think it will. I hope it won't, but it could. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a pretty positive thing overall, except for some people that just don't like the name in general. <laughs> <laughs> people have just said, I don't like the new name. Yeah. People have just said like, <laughs> that's a terrible name for, <laughs> for a tool. Oh, I but, think it's great. You know, it's exactly what you guys do. You create I FOMO. I know. I like it so much <laughs> for that reason too, but some people just are not fans whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. You're not going to win everyone over. No, I've given up on that. <laughs> I gave up on that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, smart. So what are some of the other goals you have with the product? Um, obviously, building out integrations has been your best growth channel and probably best ROI for putting in some dev time. Um, but how are you kind of roadmapping out where to take this product? Yeah, great question. So we started with where we kind of think this product fits in in the marketing you know, roadmap or landscape. So if I look around different websites today, I, seen a, I just see like a ton of these highly intrusive pop-ups, you know, people like asking for email everywhere, welcome mats, thing where you, you hit a site and immediately you know, you're kind of in, in a, like the website's in your face. It's like fighting you to get your email address or something. So when we think about where we think marketing is going long term, like marketing in 10 years, I don't think will become more invasive along those lines. Like I, I can't imagine that a successful marketer 10 years from now will be using just more and more and more invasive tactics like that. Right. Uh, just because that's, it's terrible for the user experience and you're in, you fight them. And so what we are thinking about from a roadmap standpoint is the vision we have for FOMO is a really unobtrusive way to share information and engage with your visitors without fighting them, without like forcing them to give, you know, give them your email or whatever it is. And so we're then saying, okay, if, if the future of marketing is a lot more like a website working with you to surface information and to provide you opportunities to sign up for a newsletter, buy a product, whatever, when you want to, what features do we have to build to enable that? And so I know, I know this sounds a little like hand wavy right now, but um, <laughs> what we're what we're now thinking about is if we want to enable that feature, like that future, the features that we want to build are ones that do smarter notifications. So notifications based on whether it's your first time visiting the site or whether you've been there before, you know, whether you've looked at a product before or you haven't, whether you're on a newsletter or you're not, like those sorts of things that actually add value and make a, a visitor's life easier, those are the types of features we're thinking about. We're thinking about integrations, we're thinking about different use cases. Like we just had an events website install our tool uh, earlier this week, and now they're showing notifications saying like, you know, 10 people from San Francisco bought a ticket to the growth marketing conference, you know, there are 300 tickets left. Like that type of stuff is actually really cool and really useful. Uh, and it shows a, a visitor like, hey, there's actually a fixed quantity of these tickets. Maybe I should get on it sooner rather than later if I want to go. And so those are the types of things that we're thinking about as a company right now. It's interesting. And I wonder, do you see like th- there's been a big shift of like the sumo me's and all these welcome, you know, welcome at companies. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's like everybody has it on their website no matter what, even if there's no real reason for it. And I wonder if you see any backlash where all of a sudden it's going to become kind of unfavorable to be that. Um, I think you're already seeing it. I mean, uh, I've, I've had several conversations with 
marketers who are already removing that type of stuff from their website because it, it truly does harm the user experience. And, you know, it, for a lot of these, a lot of these people, it's just the trade off isn't worth it. Like you enter your email and you get some shitty ebook or something like that. It's just not a, it's, you're only going to get fooled so many times, <laughs> you know? Well, and on the flip side, as the business owner, if you're getting a lot of bad emails or people who aren't really engaged anyway, they, it was just a very forceful or you know, kind of tricky way to get someone's email, mm-hmm. then it's kind of useless for you to be you know, crafting emails to go out to, <laughs> to someone who doesn't really care. Completely. And that's the other thing that I've talked to some people and they've said that they're seeing this where they go, oh yeah, most of the people that... I see unsubscribed from my email list came from one of those pop-ups or they came from a content upgrade or whatever it is. And if you're sending a bunch of emails in, in bulk, you know, if half of your people unsubscribe from an email or don't open it or whatever, that actually impacts your deliverability metrics, which then impacts your ability to get in the inboxes of people that would actually give a crap about what you're doing. Right. Like I think, I think long term, in the short term, it's great to capture more emails, long-term it actually can be really, really a negative thing and it can be a harmful thing if you're capturing the wrong emails from people that don't really care about you or don't want to engage with what you're doing. Yeah. So, but then that begs the question of like, where do you find that medium ground of actually, actually asking for the, the email address or the contact information of a good potential lead without scooping up all the crap with it? Yeah, it's a great question. So there's there's two answers here. I think one you can do a lot around um, you know marketing automation, marketing intelligence. Like one thing we did when we were launching Traction Book is we sent out two emails like leading up to launch, and then everyone that didn't email didn't open either one of those emails. We just said sent them an email and said, "Hey, uh, we saw you haven't opened our last two emails. Reply back, and I'll keep you on this list. Otherwise, we're just going to unsubscribe you." Mm-hmm. And we saw you know we lost. 2000 people. <laughs> yeah. But the ones that replied, like our open rates were north of 70% for our traction book launch, which is just insane. And that's because we had highly, highly engaged people and we wanted to make sure that they cared about what we were doing. Uh, so you can do that on the kind of list cleansing automation side. It's just yeah. built in filters and automated things that make sure that your list is engaged. So that might be one tactic. The other tactic and the one that I prefer to take is, you know, ask for email only up to the point where it doesn't degrade an individual's experience. And so I think we can all agree, if we're reading a blog, we would prefer not to be interrupted by a welcome mat or by a popover or something like that. Pretty universally, no one's like, yes, I love these things. (laughs) When you go to leave the, when you go to close the tab and you can't. Yeah, you do that where you're halfway down a blog article and something takes over your screen asking for your email. Yeah. I mean, those are invasive, those are bad user experience, and those, in my opinion, kind of chip away at the trust that you've built with the user. So I think anything where you're hitting a user in, or engaging with a user in a way that adds value and doesn't feel invasive, to me, is totally okay. Anything past that, I don't think you want to push for that like extra 10% lift in emails that come from pissing off like 80% of your users. Yeah. Agreed. By the way, I'm sitting here on your website while we're having this conversation, watching all of the notifications pop up. Your, te- yeah. <laughs> your team is busy at work. I keep seeing them deploy code. 
<laughs> we are. We're, we're investing very heavily in features right now. <laughs> um, all right. So what's next for you then? Yeah. So a lot of stuff. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be building out a bunch of integrations. So we're, you know, we're going to be. So you're doubling down really on, on that exactly. channel. Yeah. So doubling down on the integrations. On top of that, we're also building out a lot of different intelligent stuff that I think is really, really cool. So you can imagine if you're an e-commerce owner, um, you know, someone is on a product page and they add a product to their cart. All of a sudden, what we can do is we can shift from showing you recent purchases and we can show you recent reviews that customers left of that product that's now in your cart. Or we can show you recent purchases of products that, uh, you know, go well with the product that you just placed in your cart. There's all kinds of stuff like this that we are going to start doing and that we're working on to kind of make it more and more valuable and to expose this, this type of customer data to your average website visitor. And that's what I'm really excited about because if you think of, you know, if you add reviews or testimonials to any website, you, you automatically see basically a boost in conversion. And we just see what we're doing with FOMO as kind of like reviews on steroids. You know what I mean? Are you guys doing any kind of research or maybe even just independently studying buyer behavior and things like, you know, buyer's remorse or when people abandon a cart, like kind of the psychology of when and why that happens? Is that like a piece of your process? Yeah. So we are starting to do that right now. It's not a piece of our process just yet, but we just hired a data scientist guy that's going to be looking into, you know, a bunch of this different stuff. And so that should be, that should be really cool because we're going to be able to pull a bunch of insights out around, you know, what people are doing when they buy this type of stuff. Awesome. Well, for anyone who wants to check out FOMO and follow along with what you're doing, where can they go? So they can check us out at usefomo.com. And then, you know, they can see the product in action there. We're also on Twitter at usefomo, uh, which is the only channel that we're using right now (laughs) in terms of social media. And tell us where we can find Traction too, because that's an incredible resource. Oh, yeah. So Traction, you can just Google uh, Traction Sorry, Google. <laughs> you can search for Traction on Amazon. Uh, it's the one with the blue cover. It's just Traction, uh, Startup Guide to Getting Customers, or this newer version, which is a guide to explosive customer growth. Awesome. Justin, thanks so much for sharing with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. A big thanks to our sponsor today, Prezi Business. Prezi Business makes your presentations better more engaging, interactive, and they have a platform that features built-in analytics, cloud-based collaboration tools, and the unique ability to adapt to the flow of the conversation, which is so important whether you're doing sales or a investor presentation. So go to prezi.com forward slash rocket ship and get your presentation prezified today. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, if you made it this far, I know you're finding value. So hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review on iTunes so we can reach more people. It's so important. So I, I appreciate that in advance. Follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM so you don't miss the new episodes as they come out. You can follow me at Michael Saka, Mike Belsito at Belsito, and Joel at Joel Goldman. 
All right. We'll be back here with episode three of our growth series on Friday. We'll probably take Thanksgiving off as many of you will. So we'll see you back here on Friday. All right. Enjoy the holiday and we'll talk soon.